Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Uh, we're recording this here Thursday night, tenth. Uh, I am coming to you from the CC headquarters basement. I've got uh, the Louisville Cardinals Christmas tree lit up. I've got the Pitt Georgia Tech football game on mute for some reason. I don't know what I'm doing. The lights just went out, which is uh, appropriate on many levels here for what's going on. But I got Keith Wynn here with me today. Uh, I'm excited to talk with Keith because. Uh, a lot's going on with, with the Louisville football program since the last we spoke, and we're going to try to catch up on, on it as much as possible. Uh, Keith, how are you, man? I'm no good, man. I'm, I'm probably doing slightly better than Scott Satterfield over the last you know, week or so, so <laughs> I cannot complain. Well, let's talk. I know we talked about the, the saga a little bit on the last podcast, and, and I talked about kind of you know the process on my end, what I'd heard, and, and kind of going through it all. I guess we'll get to the, the latest developments, and then I want to get some kind of overarching thoughts from you. But the latest development came out, I, I guess, again, we're recording this Thursday night. It just came out uh, about an hour and a half or so ago, which was Scott Satterfield writing a letter to Louisville football fans, basically. He addressed it to Card Nation. It got sent out to uh, Louisville, Louisville football season ticket holders. And it was uh, essentially a, what, six or seven word, six or seven paragraph, I should say, apology letter. And it, it came off as, I mean... It, it felt like what he should have been saying from the start of this entire week. Uh, first of all, have you seen the letter? And if you have, your overall impression of the latest development here in this Scott Satterfield Louisville fan base relationship saga? Yeah, I, I read it, and I, I, I genuinely think it, it comes off as sincere. I think it comes off how I'd imagine his talk with his team was. I mean, we all saw the the players. Uh, kind of responding to it, and there's some mixed thoughts on that. But I think you know, I, I took Des Fitzpatrick. He, the one of the things he said is that hey, he he acknowledged he screwed up and he was sincere about his apology. And I think that's how it came out in this letter, which I think was important because I think that Scott Satterfield screwed up. I think he knows he screwed up. I think he is very bad at this aspect of being a college football coach, which is playing your leverage to make more money and every coach i won't say every coach the the vast majority of coaches go through this process in some way shape or form a lot of times we don't see it because it's behind the scenes and essentially an agent goes to an ad and says hey i'm getting offers for this guy to get another job you need to work out a contract and usually ad's just say hey he's earned it we'll make it work no harm no foul everybody's happy, no big deal. Scott Satterfield has a agent who kind of wrote the book on the leverage game, but Scott Satterfield is just not very good at that aspect, and we, we're seeing that play out. And I, I think that's unfortunate for him to a certain degree, but at the same time, he's a grown adult, he's a millionaire, he needs to own what, he, what he's done, and I think he's owning it. You know, there, there's an aspect of it. I, I do, I, like I said, I think the letter's great. I think he sincerely just misplayed this, and I don't think he knows how to handle these things because this is just not his his wheelhouse. The only issue I have with the letter, and, and it's and it's not even really pertaining to Scott Satterfield. There's a line in there about owning your mistakes without being uh, defensive, so to speak. I think Scott Satterfield has done that. He he his 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 press conference the other day, he was honest he did it wrong he would do it differently he shouldn't have done it all that the reaction from some players some staff members has to blame them has been to blame the media 
act like he's being wronged in some way, and it's wrong. That that's just not yeah. the case, and it's it's unfortunate because I'm, I I you know this staff I, I've gone, I love the staff, and I said this the last time we were on. I think they're great people. I think they're good leaders. They're failing right now. They 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 should be holding these kids accountable, not retweeting them, blaming the media. They're utilizing players to get their own message out, which I think is completely wrong. If they want to blame the media as coaches, go on radio like Gunnar Brewer did today and blame the media. He's you know he's wrong, but he's at least saying it out loud on his own and not using a player to to do so. I think it's I think it's unfortunate because I think they've had a good relationship with the media. They've utilized the media when they got here to show the situation they took over, and now they're kind of trying to flip that around and act like they're being victims in some way. That's unfortunate. I, I hope that Scott Satterfield owns it again after the game. I'm sure he'll be asked, and maybe we can change that. Try to change this narrative in in some way and. Take it away from him being some kind of victim. He screwed up. He's owning it. I'm happy about that. His staff needs to do the same thing. Yeah, it's gotten to the point now where I'm not like I'm over the entire thing. I'm not angry at Scott Satterfield. I'm not. I just kind of want to move past it. But I'm I'm still annoyed by a large segment of the response because I, I think it's disingenuous and I think it's 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 immature. The I think what Scott Satterfield sh- did with this letter tonight is kind of what should have been the message for the entire week. Like, I fucked up. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I know I was wrong. I should have at least been forthcoming if I wanted to listen to South Carolina and let you guys know. And instead, it's been, you know, they've tried to throw a couple of different things at the wall. And you mentioned, you know, Gunnar Brewer goes on with, with Drew Diener on 680 and, and 93.9 this morning. Again, we're recording this on Thursday, so Thursday morning. And is, you know, saying... Well, you know, in, in this COVID age, they like to take any sort of story and, and run with it. And you're like, Jesus Christ, it's the it's the easiest playbook that's out there. And, and they stuck to it. And I don't really understand it. Like, I respect the the whole mentality of, you know, nothing matters except what gets said in this locker room or what gets said in the Stellenberger complex. Like, I'm fine with that. If you have to say whatever you want to say to make this program successful, I'm cool with it. But to do it so publicly and so brazenly is just when the situation is so clear cut to the rest of the world it just it, you're not going to win brownie points with a fan base that wants to forgive you like everybody everybody wants to be a scott satterfield fan he came in here with as much goodwill as you can possibly have because he was replacing you know the anti what you wanted a coach in bobby petrino and it took it took a massive fuck up on multiple levels for it to get to a point where a large section of the fan base is kind of been like just go on we don't really care anymore but at the end of the day I mean, I feel like I've said this a billion times now. These the, the feelings that have been present for the past week now, they're still going to be there in some form. They're they're going to get kind of pushed beneath the surface as time goes on, and you know we move past the season and we talk about signing day and we talk about um, spring football and all that stuff. But they're still going to be there, and they'll resurface if the season goes poorly next year. The one thing that Scott Satterfield can do to mend his relationship with this fan base and to mend his relationship with Neely Bendapudi and with Vince Tyre is to, you know, stay on the message that he was on tonight with that letter and win football games. And that's what it all comes down to. Like people will will bend their personal belief system and, and what they value based on whether or not the program is winning. And whether it's Petrino, whether it's Satterfield, whether it's whomever, that's it, it's not going to change. I, I think you make a great point about how this is all kind of new to him. I mean, he'd never been a power five coach on any level, had never been a power five uh, player on any level. 
He'd never been sought after for high-profile jobs. He'd never found himself in these types of you know, footballscoop.com rumors until he got the Louisville job. And he's listening to an agent who knows, knows the playbook. This is what he does. And it's kind of awkward for Scott Satterfield. And the way you laid it out, it kind of reminded me of um, to, to bring it back to myself because it's yeah I'm small-minded it's all, it's all I, can do. I can't think about you know analogies that, that, that don't involve me but I was thinking about the first time you know that they, they do that media golf scramble um, at U of L they didn't do it this yeah. year yeah. so so I, I guess it was it, this was years and years ago I the, the website had finally gotten respected enough or, or notable enough that I got invited to that thing and I remember I was um, playing with a well-known media member who shall remain nameless for the sake of the story. And, you know, he, he knew me pretty well and uh, he'd, he'd been a supporter of mine and helped me out. And he's like, as we get near the end of the round, he's telling me like who I need to schmooze to, like who I need to like kind of buddy up to, like talk to this guy when we get in there, sit with this guy when I get in there. And I'm like, I, 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 I just don't do that. Like I'm not comfortable at all doing it. And I tried to like envision myself kind of going to that playbook, like, like walking up to somebody like so-and-so at the bar and being like, Hey, buy you a drink, and like it just would have—I would have fucked up every bit as badly as Scott Satterfield fucked this entire thing up. It's just—it's not me, and I feel like this playing this role, playing this try to leverage um, one school to give you a better paycheck in the middle of a global pandemic is not Scott Satterfield. And hopefully, maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, but hopefully that's the the core issue here. It's not that he's a bad guy. It's not that he wants to bolt the first opportunity. It's that he was following a playbook of somebody that uh, just does not fit him. I would love to see you walk up to like a tight ends coach, like you come here often. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Ivan Green. Uh, Boy, he showed me some stuff back in the day. No, but you're you're right. It's just you have to you have to be able to play that game. I think it's a positive that he can't. As silly as that might sound. But I think that it's unfortunate that he found himself in that spot. And I think that him being able to be put in that spot quite literally shows just how how that's just not him. I mean, every all these guys have agents. All these guys listen to their agents. But I think that when you get into a, 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 a situation like this where we're in the middle of a pandemic first, the university is siphoning money just like every other every other school in the country. So the 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 issue now is that football scoop has said that you know he was promised a new contract and it hasn't happened. And Vince Tyree was up front after the season ended last year. He he went on the radio shows and he said that he was looking to you know without saying it he kind of said it that hey Scott's going to be looking at a new contract. So will his staff members. But shit happened, man. Like, I mean, what the fuck? Like, we're all in the same spot where, yeah, I, you know, everyone wants to be in a normal situation where, hey, you do a good job and something positive comes out of it financially in any job. But we're, we're all in the same spot where that's just not necessarily going to happen right now. And you have to read the room, so to speak, that, hey, keep keep trucking, do what you're supposed to do. And eventually things will kind of work out, and especially in his spot. All they have to do, like, 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 one thing I think everyone needs to understand, and, I, and I'll, I'll stand by this, the football team has gotten better this year without the record being better. You know, there's improvement that he can sell. It's not like things have gone, are trending backwards for him. So it's not like if, hey, we come out next year, we keep trending in a positive manner, 
and hopefully the wins come, which, you know, we, we all know how essentially razor thin some of these losses have been due to turnovers and things, you know, here, here you know, here and there. If he can improve another year, the recruiting class that have come in is, is, is strong. You have a lot of positive things to sell if you're Scott Satterfield right now. Play it right. Wait till see what happens in the summer when things hopefully start to trend back to normal. Wait till the season starts next year and maybe you win a couple games and you can literally have your agent say, hey, you know, hey, we're, we're, we've played, we've, we've done this the right way. We've been a team player. We're winning games. We've earned this, which, yeah, that, that's fine. But you can't, you don't do that right now at three wins. You know, a couple bad losses where you should have won. Really frustrating and disappointing season. And, and the school siphoning money, it's just a, it's a bad look on top of the fact of how it played out. It would have been a bad look even if he didn't play it terribly. And Vince is sitting there having to give him a new contract because they actually played the limited right. There, there's, there would still be fans not happy. There would still be alumni that would be unhappy. There would be people inside the program, inside the school that are unhappy. It's just a bad timing play. And I, it's just so unfortunate because, like I said, I just don't see – I think Scott Satterfield is a good dude. He's a good person. And I think that's why, why plenty of fans are hoping that we can get past this moment. But he just keeps stepping in it. And, it, and it's really – it's rough to see. And and hopefully though I, I do think the letter is genuine. I hope that f- as a staff they kind of stop this kind of us against them kind of thing, and you know everybody can kind of move on at some point. My dream scenario is that Scott Satterfield is actually amazing at all this, and that he like this is all by design. Like he wants us to be sitting here and being like, oh, he just he he's he's too nice a guy to be good at being bad. Like this is he's just not business savvy, and the reality is. He's orchestrated this entire thing on his own to distract people from the fact that this team is two and seven in the ACC and was picked to finish fourth going into the year. Like, it's, just, it's a galaxy brain deal. He's the one who told the players to put out those statements. He's the one who told Gunnar Brewer to say that on the radio. Like he just wants the focus to stay off of the fact that the team can't hold on to the goddamn ball for more than two. Like that's that's like, like if we lose to Wake Forest on Saturday, he goes straight to Nashville and talks to Vanderbilt. Like he's, he's just he's playing us all. Like he knows that he's got something long term, but he just wants people to avoid the actual wins and losses. Um, that would be wonderful. I would support that. But instead, like I'm just kind of. I'm ready to move past it as far as like, he's going to be the head coach. Nothing's going to change. Um, That said, if we get beat by Ole Miss, like 43 to 14 next year, like right away, I'm going to be like, I wish you'd just fucking gone to South Carolina. Like, I absolutely, like those feelings will take, it'll be a nanosecond before they all resurface and, and all is not forgotten. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's like that. Um, When you screw up in a relationship, Again, we're doing the sports thing. We're like, you have to compare every sports thing to a relationship because we're too dumb to, to do anything else. But it is like when you when you fuck up really badly in a relationship and you get forgiven after talking it out and all this stuff. And you know in the back of your mind, like the first time you do something slightly bad or you've both had uh, one too many drinks, like that shit's coming back up again. Like, like you know it's the last you've heard of it. You, you know it's going to get thrown in your face at some point down the line. That's kind of where I am with Scott Satterfield. I'm the scorned lover in this in, in this scenario. And, and the second he screws up again, maybe it's Saturday. Maybe maybe I start bringing it back up again Saturday. But for right now, I'm just kind of tired. And like we're gonna be together for a while. We may as well try to make the best of it. And hopefully, three years from now, we're all laughing about this. But 
No, that's a, where are you mentally with this whole? I'm thing? like a, I'm like a week away. If they lose one of these recruits that I know is going to be really fucking good, I'm going to lose my shit. Like, yeah. I, I, that's all I care about at this point. Like, I and I and I and I've said this. I have a hard time. I had a really hard time even caring, and I really did up until the press conference this week, where I was like, dude, just stop, stop, stop stepping in the shit. I really didn't care. And and then the reaction from the coaches and the retweets and all that, it really just got under my skin. All I care about right now is keep this keep this recruiting class together. I, I'm I'm really impressed with it. I like it a lot. I know that, you know, the recruiting rankings, all that stuff, especially this season, don't matter nearly as much, even though it's a good class. I mean it's 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 hovering around thirty, it's like twenty two in the rivals rankings. That stuff matters to a certain degree, but there's no evaluations happening this year. Like, it, no, most of these kids aren't even playing. So, but I, I like the class, and I know there are a couple guys that can be really big time impact players. I'm like, man, if they lose one of these kids because he played this so terribly, first off, and then did it with the first job that opened, as opposed to waiting until signing day to to try to make this play, it would just, it would just compound it. So. I'm ready to move on because I I really do think, like you said, he's going to be the guy. I think that he's, whether he truly was considering leaving or not, I don't know if it's an option anymore. Um, so, you know, and like I said, I, I, I like the staff. I think they do a good job. I think they genuinely care about these kids. They just, they just played this so poorly, and I'm ready to kind of get the season over with, which is sad. I don't think I've ever said that before, yeah. other than 2018. But, you know, I'm ready for... We got a game this week. I, I I think it's gonna be a good game to watch at least. And then you got signing day right after it. I think that's that's awesome. That's the one positive about the new early signing period is that you get a like kind of a, a, a fun time right around the season ending. So I'm ready to get to that point and then kind of move past this. The one other thing about the press conference that I feel like we've all sort of just glossed over because a lot of people have made comparisons to like some recent political press conferences that we've seen and, and maybe even like an old school Rick Pitino press conference where he just kind of started, he just started saying shit and you could tell he had no idea where he was going and he didn't even like mean it. But the, the one part that I think we've all sort of forgotten about was when he got real defensive about going after other jobs and he started saying like, he just threw out like, I had a lot of opportunities to talk to people last year. And we're like, I was like, did you? Like, 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 <laughs> because nobody else was saying that. And like, I, I don't like that never has come up at all. Like he just kind of threw that out there as like, you know, you should forgive me for all this stuff because you don't even know. Like, like there's great yeah. stuff. Behind, like, you, know, you have no idea what's going on. I could have gone here. I could have gone there. I could have gone anywhere. And I was like, eh, well, yeah. It's like the guy that has a girlfriend that nobody knows. It's like, you don't even know her, man. It's, it's yeah. I, I, like I said, I think he's bad at this stuff. I don't think he, I don't think he knows how to handle it. And I, I, he just has, uh, he has a poor agent for what, for what guy he is. Yeah, he's the behind the scenes guy that can negotiate a good deal without trying to leverage other schools. Like literally, like hey, throw the data at him. Throw the hey, here's what we've improved. You can do that with this team, even with the bad record. They have a positive scoring scoring ratio. Like they have good things going this year, even though they can't win games, you can make it work with the right presentation of the facts. But instead, it's like, oh, no, he's going to go to South Carolina, which there was zero chance he was going to take that job. So uh, it's just, it was just, it's so poorly played. And I, I, I don't know, he, that, that press conference could not have gone worse. The, the, the letter, it was, it's good, it's genuine. 
hopefully, honestly, he gets a question or two after the game and, and handles those correctly. And then it's like, all right, we're good to go. Yeah, actually, you know, I had like a a seventy million dollar offer from they, they transitioned FCS back in July. You probably haven't. It's it's a it's a school like it's just it's like east, east Midwest coast like you just don't don't worry about it. But like trust me, like they had I definitely had an offer. Uh, I don't think there's anything else we can say about this at this point. But yeah, I, that's kind of although there would be a part of me that would respect it if he just went full heel after the game. <laughs> like, <he's> like, <laughs> like if, if, especially if they win, like, like if they beat a bad wake forest team, 20 to 14 or something. And like the players carrying him off the field. And he's like, that's for all you motherfuckers out there. that have been doubting me all week. Like I run this shit. This is Scott city. Like, just like, like, Oh my God, like I'm not going anywhere. You can't buy me out right now. It's a pandemic. You don't have the fucking money. And we're like, Holy, holy shit. This guy's just evil. Like, Bombs or recruiting class, like yeah, this part of it, it, it'll at least be fine. It is strange. You mentioned 2018. I hadn't even thought about this. Remember, like you and I. I mean, we wrote about the 2018 season. I was doing the radio show back then, and I remember saying, like, I mean, like 50 times about how it was the weirdest, not just the worst football season I'd ever followed, or at least one of the worst football seasons, but the weirdest. Everything that had happened, and I was like, I don't think we'll ever follow a three-month period in mobile football that'll be stranger than this one. And lo and behold, it took less than two years to get to a, a season that is, I, I think, <laughs> inarguably stranger than that 2018 one. Um, and, and part of the, the strangeness of it has been all the scheduling and all the rescheduling. And with that lead in, we're going to talk about this weekend's Wake Forest game, uh, a game that had been scheduled for, I think, 15 different dates. The most recent being uh, a week from now, December 19th, got pushed back to the 12th. Scott Satterfield wouldn't have even had to have talked to the media this week uh, if, if that game had stayed on the 19th. <laughs> Another one of those weird things. So we're going to talk about Wake a little bit. But before we do, I want to remind you guys again about our friends over at Homefield Apparel. If you're still looking for uh, a Christmas gift, if you're still looking for just a, a, a gift for somebody you love, if you're looking for a gift for you to transition into 2021, homefieldapparel.com has you covered. They're also Indiana fans. They're a little bit uh, down on their luck after Indiana just got fucked over uh, by the playoff committee and the Big Ten and everybody this week. So they need your business more than ever. Just make them feel better by buying a really cool retro UofL shirt or a really cool Duncan Cardinalbird uh, hoodie. Or if you love the apology letter so much, they've got a Saturday's T-shirt for you. Hit, check out homefieldapparel.com for the entire collection of local gear that they've got there. And when you check out, use the promo code CARDCHRONICLE, all one word, that's going to save you 20% on your first purchase from Homefield Apparel. Again, Card Chronicle, all one word. Follow Homefield Apparel on social media. It's Homefield Apparel on Instagram. It's Homefield Apparel without the E in apparel on Twitter. And homefieldapparel.com is the website. So, Keith, are you ready to talk Louisville Wake Forest on Saturday, a game that features a Louisville team dealing with all the bullshit we just spent the last 20 minutes talking about and a Wake Forest team that has been ravaged by covid and had a head coach who said just two days ago that they were, quote, not in playing shape, and we'll see how this goes. This is the fire up for this game. I mean, this is this is what you expect from December it's, college football. This is the 2020 of, of football games, man. I mean, Dave Clawson just was just like, yeah, man, I, we're just doing the shit. Like, that's, just, yeah, that I, was kind I of the, the, that's the vibe I got from it. It was just like, man, we're just – I don't know, man. They told us we got to play, so we're just gonna do it and figure it out. Like, it's it's kind of funny. It's it's just it's kind of it feels opposite. You know, Louisville's kind of 100. percent I mean, it seems it feels like that's one thing that's actually a huge positive, I guess, going forward is that Louisville's football team has has been giving full effort every week 
even for the last couple of games, knowing that they're not really playing for anything other than just just these games. And you know, it's, it's been it's been it's been one big positive, I think, and one thing from a program standpoint that obviously Satterfield has going for him is that he has kind of this culture change that he's brought along is is showing because they they really have given great effort. And I had somebody tweet me yesterday thinking, you know, wondering how the the effort would be, and I was like, dude, these guys have been playing their ass off. Even when you know, even when all like it's a, it's such a frustrating season season from a fan standpoint. I mean, imagine being on that team and knowing that hey, we're we're better than these teams that we're losing to, or we should win the game, so to speak. And it's just mistakes that are that are killing you. So you know, but they're still going out there and playing hard. The defense is playing hard. Like I said, they've improved in a lot of areas. I mean, not just statistically, which which you know the numbers back up. The, the argument, I guess, but you watch the football games and they're playing better football. They're doing the things they're doing things that we didn't see last year. They're cutting out a lot of mistakes that we did that we saw last year. They just can't hold on to the damn football. And I, I think you, you kind of nailed it with your tweets. It's like every they're like finding ways to give the ball away. I mean, Tutu Atwell's fumble last week, last game where he just catches the football and just drops it on the ground. You're like, what the fuck? What is going on? It's weird. So, I mean, I, I, I like watching little football. I get more, I get into it, obviously, just because I love analyzing the game and whatnot. But, man, it's, it's hard from a fan standpoint seeing these guys just blow game after game after game uh, for the stupidest reasons. Yeah. I Going into the week, like, I guess on Monday when, when this was coming out, and you were seeing some players tweeting, some Louisville players tweeting or liking tweets that were expressing some some concern. I was looking at the Wake Forest side, looking at our side, and I was like, there may not be a game this season that has more of a possibility of both teams just, like, mutually agreeing to stop playing in the third quarter. <laughs> and then as the week's gone on and I've seen, you know, Wake still dealing with their issues, and then our players kind of becoming galvanized and having those yeah. tweets and going through practice, there's a part of it that's like, they may win by 80. <laughs> like, we yeah. may come out there after all this shit and, and win, like, 55 to 10. Or we may lose, like, like 40. Like, nothing would surprise me about this game. I've got no idea what to expect, which makes it kind of the perfect cap. Although I would love, if if Louisville does blow out Wake Forest, it would almost be fitting because, you know, they'd go 3-7 and seven in the ACC, an unquestionable disappointment based on all of our preseason expectations. But their scoring margin would end up being, like, a, a, like a healthy plus because they would have beaten the shit out of all three teams that they've played and not really gotten blown out uh, in any of their seven losses. So it would be kind of a fitting end. Um, Wake Forest, overall, I, I, it's hard to even know because they've had so many issues this season. But what about this team – that you've seen so far this season, do you think can give Louisville trouble Saturday afternoon? Well, I think on offense, they run the ball really well. Um, and Louisville still has issues stopping the run. And then, and they have that, that kind of oddball huddle offensive like scheme that they do where they, they ride the, uh, the, the play action or the RPO really long. And they, they might pull it late and pass or They might run it and it makes it, it makes it really hard to defend. Um, and, and it works. It's the, it's the claw fence, so to speak, quote unquote. And it's worked out well for Dave Clawson. Uh, there's a stat today that I saw the, the ACC uh, wins and losses for the last three years. And like Wake's the fourth best team in the ACC over the last three years. And it's because they, they just, they, their, their system works. And no matter who you have running it, it seems to work. Um, so they lost Jamie Newman as a quarterback and they were able to put Sam Harmon in there. And he's a, he's a serviceable quarterback. 
It's not going to wow you with his arm strength. He's accurate. He he knows their offense really well, but they can run the ball well. They they one of their running backs opted out, so they should be fine with their starter. Um, so on offense, they, they run it well. They have a couple good receivers, and and it's that same scheme that Louisville's had struggle. They struggled to stop since you know since before Satterfield got here. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, they they try to create havoc, which obviously with Louisville. Um, the big issue is obviously they give up a lot of negative plays. It's kind of part of the the negative of their system is it's hard to stop those negative plays because they run that stretch offense. Well, Wake Forest's defense, that's what, kind of what they're good at. Uh, and they call they they have caused a lot of turnovers this year, which, as we talked about, God knows every single week, uh, Louisville can't stop giving the ball away. So there are some weak spots on their team. They're, like I said, their quarterback is kind of has his limitations. Their offensive line doesn't really wow you. Uh, on defense, their secondary is very young. They've got a walk-on, true freshman playing safe, playing free safety, uh, a guy who's played safety, linebacker, and now he's back to safety. So there's some ways that Louisville can attack them uh, in the ways that they do on offense, uh, which is really their slot receivers kind of finding ways to match up with safeties. That should be a win. They've got another uh, young kid, at fr- a freshman kid at the other corner spot. If you can find a way to get Des Fitzpatrick matched up there or Justin Marshall. So there are some things that Louisville should be able to do on offense. Um, and then they, if they can really slow down this rushing game, which is missing uh, one of their key players, obviously, you have the potential to just like, I mean, to almost, I feel like I write this every week, but put the, put the game in the opposing quarterback's hands and make them beat you. Uh, unfortunately, Louisville's allowed that to happen a couple of times this year. Hopefully that doesn't happen, and, and Louisville can maybe come out with a win if they can hold on to the football. I, on paper, there's nothing exciting about this game nationally, right? Like, like, I don't know why anybody who has no rooting interest in these two programs would be tuning in to the ACC Network at noon on Saturday. But, but for whatever reason, Louisville and Wake Forest have this bizarre rivalry that makes me think that something significant is going to happen in this game because it always seems to. And I know that you have, like, whenever you join a new conference, it feels like a rivalry with some program develops organically. There's there's no rhyme or reason for it to be a thing. It, one of the best examples is Louisville and Marquette in basketball back in the day in Conference USA. Like, like they had, they're not close in proximity. They had no history against one another, but they played all these close games and had all these, like, just kind of bickering moments, and they ended up becoming rivals. Unfortunately for us, like it, Wake Forest has kind of become our ACC equivalent of that. You had, you have the basis of the rivalry, which was the Orange Bowl meeting in 07, which was kind of a forgetful game nationally, but important to both programs. Then you get to the ACC, they play a couple of decent games early on. Then you've got the Matt Colburn saga, Louisville yanking his scholarship, him ending up at Wake Forest, him taking some shots at Louisville through the media at first and then on the field for what felt like 17 years after that, <laughs> just making Bobby Petrino pay for it forever. Um, then you had, of course, the Wakey League stuff, which somehow Louisville's the only program that still gets talked about. Everybody always just thinks that it was just Louisville, not Army and Virginia Tech just got off scot-free because everybody hates Louisville and hated Bobby Petrino so much back then. So you had that deal. And then I think the one that, that kind of has been forgotten is, remember the the infamous anonymous Athlon quote gate where – Going into that 2017 season, after Lamar Jackson had just won the Heisman, somebody, uh, like, w- some coach had a lengthy statement saying, you know, we made him throw against us. He couldn't do anything. 
he's not a great passer. He'll never make it in the NFL because of all this. And, and by process of elimination, a lot of people sort of figured it was somebody with Wake Forest. And somebody at UofL, pretty sure I know who, but somebody at UofL just like blatantly told Lamar Jackson, yeah, it was the Wake Forest coach. And Lamar, <laughs> like, like not giving a shit as, as Lamar tends to do, which is a great thing, like was talking about it in the media and was like, yeah, I heard it was the Wake Forest coach. Austin <laughs> had to issue like that public denial and be like, no, it wasn't me and all that stuff. Uh, and so you had the back and forth. You had the weird games. You had the bad blood. And we kind of thought that all of it would simmer after last year because Bobby Petrino had been fired. And they play a fucking 62-59 to 59 game that was, like, one of the most exciting games of the entire season. I mean, this is – do you have a favorite Louisville-Wake Forest rivalry moment? Because there are – it's the greatest rivalry in college football history is what I'm getting at here. So, so first off, one thing to point out with the Wake Felix thing, to drive it home of how little people seem to care outside of Louisville, Shane Beamer got a job this week, and I don't think he got mentioned. And he was yeah. right in the middle of that. Yeah, like he was. He was. It was like, yeah, that he was just as culpable as everybody else, and I don't think they got mentioned at all. And he just got a head coaching job. So, as much as I thought that whole thing was dumb as hell, you're 100 percent right. It, to be fair, Louisville got a real, got way too much attention in that, which made no sense. But I, I think the, I, I think the Matt Colburn thing was was always funny to me. I'm sorry. I mean, you, you know, it's no secret I couldn't stand Bobby Petrino. And I think that what was so crazy about that is that they pulled his scholarship to try to give to someone else, and they didn't get the kid they they pulled the scholarship for. <laughs> like, how fucking ridiculous can you be? Like, you you all of that all of that happened for nothing. Like, it's it's almost like a Satterfield thing. It's like you've just shot yourself in the foot for nothing. All this negative press, all the negative PR. And you and you still shit the bed at the end of the day. You didn't get the kid you wanted, and and, and they, they, I think they ended up giving that scholarship to somebody else that didn't end up on campus. And you're like, why? Like all of that for nothing. And then Matt Coburn really did. As much as I obviously I don't want Louisville to lose games, but he he just you could tell he was running like a possessed person every time he got the ball against Louisville. And his two best games of his career were his two last two games against Louisville. So. I just thought it was just so such a unnecessary own, you know. Like they 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 did it to themselves, and I couldn't help but laugh at the fact that he he played hard against these guys because he, he had a chip on his shoulder and it and it worked out. And he fucking went off every time they played against him. The other thing about the Colburn saga was that remember when Petrino first got here, like he totally played up. The the best feel good story that we had at that time was Lorenzo Malden. You know, he grew up uh, as an orphan, didn't have a family had his scholarship pulled by South Carolina at the last second, wound up here. And Petrino, like, had him come out in the uniform to, like, try to curry good favor with the rest of the players. Like, he was a captain. He was always very focal. The second Lorenzo Malden leaves here, Petrino does the exact same shit to somebody yeah. else and yanks the scholarship at the last second. Like, it was just – like, yeah, that, that kid deserved to run for 1,000 yards or whatever he did in those three games against us. Uh, I was kind of okay with it long term. But, yeah, that's just a, the, the Louisville Wake Forest thing. The – Am, am I wrong in thinking? Because I people kind of pushed back on me at the time when when I said this. Like, I got some of the the bad feelings about Wakey Leaks because it was Petrino, but to me, it's the most overblown thing of all time. Like, is if if somebody on the other side is going to hand you something that gives you an advantage to their side, nobody's going to just say no, thank you. Like, like it, it, it's not going to happen. In every case that Tommy Elrod did this, 
the other side took it. Like, like I don't think there was a he, yeah. he never said that like nobody turned him down. And I don't understand how this is the worst thing in the world. But like, you know, stealing signs in baseball is fine. You know, obviously what the Astros did was not fine. But if you like see if a pitcher is tipping his pitches, if he's sticking his elbow out a little bit more when he's throwing a fastball than when he's throwing a breaking ball, like you don't run out to the mound and tell him. Like, like you, you <laughs> tell bench this is happening, and you start trying to, to you know fucking rip him. Like that's this is how sports work. And the fact that this became such a gigantic deal, I'll. I'll just never really understand it. Like, and the fact that it was the story got spun to where it was Louisville stole Wake Forest playbook. Like, yeah. no, like, like he gave us this shit. We're so bad at cheating across every sport, apparently, <laughs> that we left it. We left the playbook on the field after our practice, and they saw it. They found like again, it, like it's our own ineptitude that got us caught here. It wasn't that we did anything off. Like they they gave us their shit. We just are so bad at cheating that they found out about it. So, so I do, do think there, there, there are three aspects of it to kind of to kind of play devil's advocate. I guess Dave Clawson played it up really well as like the victim, which I, I think there are Louisville fans that can't stay, stand Dave Clawson because he tried to play this whole well, we couldn't run all the plays we wanted to because they had the playbook thing, which I was like, yeah, you could, like, yeah, you know, like you could do that. That real, was, that's, I, and I, real, I'm a, a Clawson fan. The other thing, the other thing about Clawson that drives me crazy about this whole deal is. And I think he admitted this, and I know that U of L people have said the same thing. He was the one who apologized first. Like he, when it, when the, the discussions happened between the two sides, and like Wake Forest, like, hey, we found this. What the hell's going on? Like, and Louisville told them what had happened. Like, Clawson like apologized. He's like, oh, he's like, that's our guy. I can't believe that we're doing this. Like, he did not, like, he act did not play the victim at all in his dealings with Louisville, and then spun a completely different story when he yeah. talked to the media, which has always rubbed me the wrong way. Right, which, you know, like I said, I like Clawson, but, yeah, that was one that I was like, yeah, you can't act like you can't call these plays. Like, and you can't act like this is so, this is why we lost the game, which is kind of how he tried to play that. The other issue is that Petrino immediately came out and was like, no, that's not what happened. He, he denied it. And then Jurich backed him on that. Yeah. And then they had to come out and say, yeah, no, yeah, we were wrong. So I think that was part of the issue was that it seemed like, hey, it, it, it was easy to make it seem like Louisville's trying to hide that they hide something by lying, which I don't think that's the case. I honestly think what happened was that Lonnie Galloway knew, maybe, and I don't you know, or, or Tom George knew, but they just kind of went with like, no, no way. And then it just came out like they, it was like, yeah, uh, sorry, man. Yeah, I, I definitely had their playbook. That's all I could think. I, 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 either that or maybe, you know, Bobby knew and, you know, lied and then Tom had to you know, eat crow, so to speak. But other than that, though, yeah, it, it got blown out of proportion. Don't get me wrong. But just like everything else, Louisville was bad at cheating. <laughs> they were bad at it, and it just blew up way bigger than it needed to be. Fun fact, I was uh, I, I was working on the 100 Things Louisville book uh, at that time, and I had set up a interview to talk with Tom Jurich to get some quotes for a couple of the chapters um, the day after the he wrote the letter about reacting to the Wakey League stuff. And it was, I mean, it was like I supported Jurich for, I think he made most, mostly right moves during his tenure at UofL. And I thought that was a pretty big screw up. And yes. I said so on the radio and I talked about it for at length saying like, this was a bad idea. I'm not sure why he did this. I think this was a mistake. And the interview the next day for the book did not happen. And as a result <laughs> of some of those comments, like, he was fine eventually, but he was not thrilled with, uh, with what was said on the radio that day. But hey, like it was a, a standby. It was not. Not his finest moment. <laughs> okay. we, we all have bad moments. Yeah, um, 
Uh, yeah. Do, do we have anything else to add for this Wake Forest game before we take some questions from Twitter? No, you know, like I said, I, it's it's such a weird time, and you know, I just hope, I, I really do hope that they come out. I think they're gonna come out and play hard. I hope it's just an entertaining game. I really do hope they give Des Fitzpatrick every fucking throw. He earned it. It'd be fun to watch. All right, uh, we'll take a couple quick questions here from Twitter, and we'll call it a podcast after that. Uh, Timmy Smith, he says, if you could create your own coaching staff for football for previous years, who would it be? For example. He says his would be head coach Petrino era one, offensive coordinator Jeff Brom, defensive coordinator Charlie Strong. So let's stick with just that. We'll do head coach, offensive coordinator, and then defensive coordinator from um, Louisville football coaches of the past. Who do you go with in that scenario? That's a good question. Give me uh, first. Give me offensive coordinator Scott Linehan. Okay. He went on to do some big things. I, I was always a big fan of him in general uh i mean if we can make charlie strong a defensive coordinator even though he wasn't a d coordinator here i guess he'd have to be the d coordinator maybe yeah and then give me john l smith is more of like a figurehead i love john l smith <laughs> he got so much fun if you anybody that's met john l smith in person and is like had more than a two-minute conversation with him i don't know anybody that disliked the guy i loved him he's man great. he's great he's awesome. i love him give me that give me that staff and let me just have a fun coaching staff that could actually maybe do some things on the field. The first time I ever met John L. Smith, I talked to him for maybe 45 seconds before he invited me to go have a beer with him at Buckheads. I was like, <laughs> I was like this guy, he's wearing ostrich boots. He was looking great. It was unbelievable. Um, my answer, I'm going Charlie Strong defensive coordinator. I'll say Jeff Brom offensive coordinator. I'd love to have him back here. And I think in his prime, uh, he's a really, really good offensive mind. And then head coach, I'm going with the pipe, man. I, in his heyday, I'm bringing Howard Schnellenberger back. He wanted to win a national championship here. He got pissed off that we were going to Conference USA. Now we're in the ACC. Give me prime Howard. He's doing what he did at Miami for this Louisville program, and we're winning a ship in about six, seven years. Like That's that's my staff right there. I like it. I like it. All right. I, you know, I, I like the Jeff Brown call. I'm not going to lie. You know, things aren't necessarily great up at Purdue, but that offense is still fun as hell to watch. Yeah, and hopefully he'll get some pieces back at some point, and they'll be okay. Uh, Jamar says, at what po- at what exact point in his comments did Coach Satterfield realize that it wasn't going well? What's the timestamp? Uh, if we're talking about the press conference, I feel like it was. I feel like it was it was when he got asked by Mark Ennis whether or not Vince Tyree knew that he was meeting with, uh, with, with South Carolina on Friday. I feel like that when like he kind of stumbled through some answers before that, but I feel like that was the moment where it was like, I didn't answer that and everybody knows it. <laughs> yep, yep. Like, like you could almost see the wheels in his head being like, oh, fuck. Like, this is, uh, people are going to be talking about this. Like, here's the thing. His, his views on the difference between coaches and players, that's not new. He's, he's made that known. He just didn't say it as, as clearly as he did in the press conference. That is not new at all. He's made that 100% abundantly clear that he feels like coaches and players are different. So that didn't really bother me. He just said it so bluntly that I think that and, he, and he's in the spotlight now. But when Mark asked him that question, I was genuinely like, I really wonder what he's going to say because Vince yeah. seems to have made it clear that he didn't really know what was going on. And Scott has kind of made it clear that, hey, Vince knew. And he was like, I'm going to go ahead and punt the shit out of that question because uh, I can't really answer that truthfully right now and not look worse than I do already. And I'm, I, it was awkward as hell. 
he kind of tried to, he, he, like I said, he's not good at this stuff. He tried to get around it, and it was, it was, he's, he's swerving, and it's like, yeah, man, I'm just gonna just, I just gotta put on this one. And it was, it was super awkward and a great question. I mean, it's a fair question to ask, and it was the only one. Here's the thing: he was very forthcoming, straightforward, and honest in that entire press conference. And he spoke his mind until that point, and he got very political with his answer, and it became real obvious. It was like he forgot a very key part of the equation here. Like, like he did the interview with Cameron Teague on, like, was that? I guess it was Sunday when the whole thing broke, or Saturday. Yeah. And he, you know, said, yeah, he was trying to do this whole thing where it was like, I've actually, I've kept Vince in the loop with everything. Like, he's known what was going on. Like, and I think a lot of people knew that that was not true. Um, but, but he, I, he also knew that Vince was going to have his back. I'm sure they had had a discussion by that point. And that Vince wasn't going to publicly throw him under the, under the bus, even if Vince's own statement could kind of it left room for everybody to read between the lines a little bit. But still, it right. was it wasn't explicit in like I hope next time he lets me know or anything like that. And, and so I think Satterfield felt like he was like, like okay, book closed on that. And then it was like oh shit, the media, I've got to do press conferences. <laughs> Somebody may ask me directly about this. And when it happened, it was like I I I forgot this was a possibility. I forgot yep. this could come up and. The answer that we got was the answer that we got. So that's that, that's where we were there. Um, Nate says, this is a good question, actually. And I'm, I'm reading these on the fly, so I haven't had time to think about this. But he says, what is the dumbest and extremely avoidable college coaching blunder that you can recall that cost a coach in program success? Oh, okay, that's easy. W- what's yours? Uh, God, what is it? George O'Leary, uh, where he uh, falsified his, uh, his, uh, his uh, like... Yeah. By background or whatever, and lost the what was it Notre Dame, right? Did, did that really Notre Dame cost, job? did that cost Notre Dame success though? Knowing what we know about George O'Leary, oh, that's that's a fair point. Fair point. Oh man, I don't know that. I gotta think about that then. I'm trying to think of like an in-game. Like, I guess the one that everybody comes up with, and, and maybe it's fair, maybe it's not, is Rick Pitino not putting anybody on the inbounder for the Leitner shot back in '92, uh, the Elite Eight game. Um, but like, that's not obvious. That, that's not, it wasn't like when that happened, everybody knew right away that the coach fucked up. Like maybe somebody was watching the game and being like, I can't believe we're not putting anybody on the inbounder. Maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe it wouldn't have, but I can't think of like a, like if Louisiana had lost that football game last week where they inexplicably took the safety from, <laughs> from, from like the 40 yard line or whatever it was, like that would have been something along those lines. But I, still, I, I never, got, I didn't get to see that because I had this crazy work schedule. But I heard about that. Oh and I knew, God. I knew it was bad when my, when like Twitter was exploding over. Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, the whole thing was like, usually you can kind of see what like where the wheels were going when something like that happens. And there was just, I kept trying to think like I'm doing the math in my head. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And there was just nothing that that rationalized it. It was such a dumb, dumb move. And they really should have lost, and they didn't. But whatever. So. Sorry, not good answers to Nate's question, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think I think O'Leary, even though obviously didn't hurt the program long term, at least the first half of the question. But also, you have a uh, was it Mike Price at Alabama when he left Washington State? I can't even remember what he did, but he didn't up get he didn't up keeping the job because he screwed something up. Something maybe I don't know, but same kind of situations where you got a coach getting a big time job, and something they do just screws it up for their own self, I guess, but not necessarily the program. Yeah. What would the other one be? Was it um, the famous Miami-Nebraska game going for two when you know they could have tied and, and potentially shared the national title? Like, maybe that – I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's up there. 
Anyways, moving on. Um, Brian says, pancakes, waffles, or French toast, and why? Um, I've been a waffle guy my entire life. Like, out of all the gifts that my wife, I've known her for, we, we dated in 2008. Um, so we've exchanged a lot of gifts over the years. She's given me, I think the waffle maker that she gave me, like, in 2010, is probably the thing that I've used the most over the years. But recently, I've been on a huge French French toast kick. Like, a big French toast guy. I still think longevity wins out, and I go with waffles. They're easy to make. They're crispy. The consistency's great. They're delicious. You can vary them, put shit in there. Um, I'm going with waffles, but very narrowly over French toast. I'm a waffles guy. Uh, I think, I don't know, the, the, the texture and then... The you know you can the the syrup distribution works out best. Yeah. The like out at breakfast though stuffed French toast is it's kind of become a thing for me. Like you know with like different fruits and like the cream cheese like filling and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know, it's become like kind yeah. of a go to for me lately. But yeah, like if I had a choice, which uh, yeah, if I had a choice, I'm going waffles every day. Pancakes is always pancakes is at the bottom because. I don't know, man. It's just, it's like too much. They're doughy and like, it's hard to, I don't know. They're, they're too filling and you can't really enjoy everything else on your plate. You mentioned the biggest asset for the waffle, which is the divots that collect the syrup because yeah. you can keep your plate relatively clean. And then when you take big bites, the syrup kind of runs out. I don't know. It's, it's just a good feeling. Like it's just the, the eating process for the waffle is significantly better than the other two candidates. You also, here. You also have built in like uh you have built-in like slots to cut them. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like you, yeah. It's 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 yeah. They're they're really just it's hard to beat it. It's a food designed by God Himself. I, I think Pretty we much. can say. Yeah. He's just it's beautifully designed. Um, <laughs> let's see here. I think we have one more. Uh, we answered this question the last time. I want to get yours on this. Um, have you had a terrible visiting fan experience for a Louisville road game? Any sport? Jesus, dude, I haven't been on a road game since high school or something like that. My 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 worst experience, I, I don't know, like maybe way back in the day in like high school when I used to go to, I used to go to like Cincinnati games when, you know, and like Louisville would play Cincinnati, but no, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, that's a terrible question for me because I don't, I've, I haven't been on a road game in forever. Bowl, bowl games, I've had some bad experiences. But I guess, all right, so no, that's not true. All right, I, I, I'm terrible at this answer. I almost got into a huge <laughs> fight at a UK game not too long ago when Stevie got loose. Oh, God. And I had, the, I had this moment, and I, I guess maybe, like, you you see me in person, and, and I, I don't feel like I'm an intimidating person, but I, 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 I'm a pretty decent-sized guy, and, yes. you know, maybe I come off as intimidating to some people. I had one of those moments where somebody got in my face, and then immediately realized they made a mistake. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and it's it was kind of perfect because I was really pissed off after that game. And that put me in like a positive mood because I don't think that's ever happened, even though, you know, I'm, I'm sure at some point it's happened, maybe, you know, out drinking at a bar or something like that. But it was like I could see the entire process go through their head where they kind of were like, I'm going to get this dude's face. Fuck you, Vel. And it was like, it was like they jumped towards me. It was like, oh, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that that's like a moment. But I don't know. I don't think I'm that intimidating, but it, it kind of put me in a good mood because I was like, I can, I can like see the whole thought process of I've made a terrible decision. I'm getting this new space. And then, yeah, that, so that, that was about it. But I was still pissed off because, you know, Stevie got loose. 
it was like the uh, the Darius Perry Joey Baker that everybody yes. was sharing the other day. Like, Joey Baker, like right away, is like "fuck you, let's go," and then he, he's like, "ah, no." Like the look in Darius Perry's face was all that he needed to see to be like, "we're cool, man. We're we're we're, we're it's all we're, we're good. We're good. I'm, I'm back." And I yeah. think I reacted just like Darius Perry. It's like, do you realize what you're doing right now? Like, this is a bad dude. This is a bad idea, man. And Joey Baker was like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna back away and, like, go see my buddy over here and make sure he's cool all of a sudden. Yeah, so, we're yeah, I'm, I'm looking, it, but... looking for my friends. Like, just yeah. don't. <laughs> Hold me back, man. Hold me back. Yeah, God, I miss I miss the almost college fights back in the day where you just yeah that, that was every single college confrontation of all time. Um, we got to get out of here before we do final predictions for Saturday. How do you see this one going? I think it's a shootout. I think that you know you're gonna have Wake Forest is gonna be playing like backups and Louisville's gonna be playing young kids. This is gonna be a crazy wild game. Give me you know forty two thirty one Wake Forest wins. Yeah, I, I'm not picking Louisville just because I, I, I promised myself I wouldn't after last week. Like, I just I, – I can't do it. I'm going to say it's actually slightly more ugly just because – and I've said this, like, the last five weeks. Every time we think a game's going to go one way stylistically, it winds up going the other way. So it, it looks like this should be a shootout. It looks like there should be a lot of points out there. I'm going to say it gets ugly. And shockingly, Louisville turns the ball over too many times, and it costs us the win <laughs> for the last time this year. And we have to stop. We, we, and we never talk about this season ever again after Saturday. I hope the seniors go out on a high note, but I'm going to say Wake Forest wins. Uh, I'll say 24 to 20, something along those lines. Hopefully we're both wrong, and hopefully we're, uh, we're sharing happy thoughts next week on the podcast. But even if we're not, it's signing day. I, I know that – are you geared up and ready for signing day, Keith? I'm geared up for all 22 posts to break down film and evaluations on on Louisville's class. I'm, I'm I think it's going to be a good class, man. That's one. If there's one good thing that could turn around like the tide of thoughts of this program right now, it's that they actually did have a really good class. I, I think it's good. It's balanced. They've got some kids that can come in and play early. So, uh, you know, kudos to the staff for that. CardChronicle.com. Check out all the posts there for signing day, regardless of what happens this weekend. We'll have it there. Keith will be on top of it, as he always is. Uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to the pod, please do so wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps us out. It also helps us out if you give us uh, a rating and write us a review. We'll read those on air whenever we do those. Uh, no new reviews here since the last time we read them. So if you want to get those on for next week, make that play over the weekend. And until we talk to you again, go Cards. Beat Wake Forest.